It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Louie. have a uh, continuation of my life lesson uh, series that I've been doing, which has been really, really uh, precious for me. And it's, uh, I think, just to sort of pull up and and drive to the surface some of these key themes in my life uh, and then unpack them is maybe more significant for me than it is even for the audience. I'm not sure because I'm not you. But uh, it's been uh, significant for me to go back through this. And I'm getting quite a collection now. I, I don't remember what number this is, but it's uh, in the high teens. Uh, and so uh, if you've missed some of those, I would highly encourage you to go back. There's some, some rich uh, ore uh, in that. And I guess that, that matches with uh, the title here today, The Treasure Map. Uh, and if any of you have spent time around Ellerslie or even in the church, uh, you've probably heard me use the... Uh, metaphorical picture of a treasure map, because when we talk about scripture, uh, it's it's an interesting thing to know how to treat scripture. What value, what place uh, does it have in our lives? And many men and women throughout history have laid down their lives to preserve the integrity of scripture. And uh, so, obviously, it holds a very high position, and it should. Uh, but there is one that holds even a higher position than the text of Scripture, and that is the one that the text reveals, and that is Jesus Christ. And so the illustration of a treasure map has been important for me to recognize the supreme value of something and to never allow the diminishment of, for instance, in this case, the text of Scripture to be uh, tarnished or to be lessened at all, but to make sure the entire while you are preserving this precious thing known as Scripture to not forsake the very thing that Scripture points to. And that's, that's why the treasure map is so important, because a treasure map is like the one thing on earth that points you to the treasure, and therefore it has great value. And it should never be altered. You don't just trim off the part of the treasure map you don't like because it takes you through a deep valley, through a, you know, a difficult ravine, and then up a steep mountainside. You don't say, oh, I don't like that. So you trim it off. The moment you trim that off is the moment you lose the treasure. But the whole point of the treasure map is the treasure. It's somewhat uh, lunatic and ridiculous to think of having a treasure map and just cherishing the treasure map and running around all day long saying, well, I've memorized the treasure map and uh, have it all down. You could repeat it to people, have little you know, quizzes with other people on the treasure map and win trophies on knowing what is on the treasure map. But what is the good of that if you don't actually pursue the treasure? The reason you've been entrusted with a treasure map is so that you would heed it, so that you would do what it says. And that's where the classic... Uh, reference in scripture that says, be a doer, not just a hearer only. And so the essential ingredient to Christianity is an action. It is the verb dimension of life awakening in us to do. And so that's, that's what the treasure map is. And so I may refer to it as we progress, but this is a life lesson. This is something that God has baked deeply inside of me. And that is the the trust that as I pursue what the scriptures say, I find something of such astounding value uh, that it's, it's sometimes even hard to 
comprehend how a Christian could live just studying the words and not discovering the word, Jesus. So in 2 Timothy 3.5, Paul is talking through with Timothy, this is a pastoral uh, letter, just sort of what to be aware of. This is what will happen uh, to those that begin to defraud the truth and to walk away from it. And at the very end of the list is a very fascinating statement which says, and having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Be watchful of these that would have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. So there seems to be a form and a power. Just like in a seed, there are two parts to it. There is an inner pith which generates life and there's an outer shell which protects the inner pith. And both have an important uh, role in a seed. In other words, you don't just say, oh, I don't care about the inner pith. I just want the shell. Well, it doesn't help you. You can't you know, generate any life with a seed that doesn't have a pith. But if you have a pith without a shell, you have a dead pith. Because the pith would not survive if it didn't have the protective coating. So both matter. But when you take just the shell, which is what I would say 2 Timothy 3.5 is saying, having a form of godliness, having the shell or the form of what would look like truth, but denying the pith thereof, turn away from these people. It's like having a treasure map, but denying the fact that they need to enter into the journey and find the treasure. And there's a whole section of Christianity that actually does that. It's like a tear amidst the wheat. It's like they have a form of wheatness, but they deny the fact that they need to bear the fruit of wheat. And if you deny this dimension of the treasure, of the life, of that which God desires to do through us, which is what we understand as the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. When you deny that, when you turn that volume down and just turn up the volume of having this correct form, you end up losing the very essence of what Christianity is. Like having a treasure map, sticking it in your pocket, and not pursuing the treasure. So, Two options with the treasure map. You could study it to intellectually know it. Or two, you could study it to actually follow it. And I would say option number two is superior. Because option number two is going to include the intellectual understanding. But it's also going to add in the bonus feature of doing. And so, you guys, Treasure Island, I grew up with that. And so you have... Uh, you know these evil pirates, and they're uh, they're all trying to find the the map. And there's always danger, and there's daring do associated with treasure maps. I mean, that's what makes them so intriguing to us, especially as boys. I don't know how girls handle the idea of treasure maps, but it's extremely intriguing to us. But it doesn't make any sense to have a treasure map and to not get on the boat. I don't care what dangers are associated with it. To get on that boat. Uh, with pirates, you know, that have parrots on their shoulders and things like that, and go and find it. And then when you get to the island, you actually heed the map. And what are you going to find? You're going to find a treasure. You're going to heed what it says, and you will find what it's all purposed for. That map is not just given to you so that you can stare at it and study it and know all the dimensions of it. It's so that you can find something, the X that marks the spot. So when you take an X and you sort of turn it sideways, you know what you get? It's like a cross. And so it's not a bad way of saying it. It's the cross that marks the spot. 
It is the treasure of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is what the entire Bible points to. So, what I have is a little exercise just to sort of show you the distinction between having a form and having the real thing, having the fulfillment, the form and the fulfillment, the treasure map and the treasure. In other words, the treasure map will give you just the way it is. The treasure map or the treasure gives you the substance of what you are after. And the Bible does the same thing. It lays out, in a sense, a treasure map. Just like it says the law was a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. It's taking us somewhere. It's leading us somewhere. Where is it leading us? It's leading us to the gospel. It's leading us to the epicenter of the Bible, which is the person of Jesus Christ. He fulfills it all. It all is leading to him. And when you find him, you don't want to forsake that treasure. So... The Bible makes it clear that you must not sin. So if you're listening to this via podcast, I have, with each one of these bullet points, I have two things. I have a statement on the left, and then I have a little divider, and then a statement on the right, which is in italics. And the statement on the left is, you must not sin. That's actually what the Bible says. And yet, if all you have is that, you die. Because you could say, okay, I'm not going to sin. I'm going to try not to sin, but that actually, hearing the truth or the facts of Scripture, do not actually save you from your sin. You see, there is something that you must find. The reason you are learning the fact that you must not sin is so that you will cry out, Lord Jesus, save me. I have no other means of salvation but what you have done on that cross. So the right side of this says, He conquered sin. Now, both are true. But you, you see the superiority to the second. So the first one could be the form or the facts or the law. The second one is the gospel. The gospel fulfills. The gospel is what it's after. What's the good of having the text of the Bible and miss the good news in it? What's the good of having the form? What's the good of having the treasure map and not finding the treasure? So you must not sin. He conquered sin. You choose. Set them out in front of you. Both are true. And it's not the diminishment of you must not sin. That's still true. (laughs) However, he conquered sin. So as a result, you can rejoice in this. You must be righteous. Fact. That is what the Bible declares. You must be righteous. So you try. You try and go out there and be righteous in your own. However, I'm going to encourage you to pick up this treasure map And follow where it leads you. You know where it's going to lead you? It's going to lead you to the cross that marks the spot. It's going to show you Jesus Christ and what he did. And it's going to tell you he is indeed our righteousness. So the law is going to declare to you that you must be righteous. And that is still true. But the gospel is going to give you the answer, the good news. And that is what he has done for you has given you clothing. So that when you believe in him, he becomes your righteousness. You see, the first, the form, is still true. But it is empty of life and power. The second one is, if you want to say it this way, more true. Because it fulfills the first and answers it all. Okay, the next one. You must be holy just as God is holy. I know you guys have probably heard that one. That's a doozy of a one. And you can go out and try on your own uh, to be holy as he is holy, and you'll find that you will fail. However, listen to this. The Holy Spirit has been given you, 
And you know what the Holy Spirit specializes in? Being holy. And he is holiness. And he lives inside of you to conform you into his image. So he doesn't just clothe you in his righteousness. He clothes you in his presence, which is holy. And he gives you access unto the very holy presence of God. Not because of your perfection, but because of his. You must love just as God loves. Fact. And yet, God is love and he will love in and through you is a higher fact. In other words, the gospel unlocks for us the way to do this. As opposed to just stare at hard facts, it gives us treasure. You must pray without ceasing. He ever lives to make intercession. In other words, when you take the burden of needing to live out this Christian life in your gusto, in your gumption, in your strength, in your discipline, you will find that you will fail every single time. But when you yield to God and say, God, I am insufficient to reveal the kingdom of heaven in and of myself. I need you to move in. So you take this life, take this body, and live through it. He loves through you. So therefore, don't pray that you could love like Jesus. Pray that Jesus would love through you. Don't pray to be holy. Pray that the holy life of God would live through you. In other words, you are a channel through which to reveal God. The secret to Christianity isn't you mustering Godness. It's you yielding to his Godness and allowing God to play you like an instrument. You must evangelize the lost. Oh, that can be a heavy weight. And yet he has come to seek and save that which is lost. So when you give your life to him, guess what? His burdens beat inside of you. And so you care about the lost person because he cares. You don't need to drum up compassion. You don't need to drum up words to speak to people. You can actually yield to God and say, God, use me today. I just simply want to be your vessel. You must visit the orphan and the widow in their distress. These are all facts. All the things on the left side are all facts. And these are things that must be evidenced in our life. So when we go to rule or to law in order to accomplish them, we immediately curtail the very essence of how Christianity works. It's that delicate balance of recognizing, wait a minute, it's not me. One of my, another life lesson, I I don't know if I should spill the beans now on it or uh, if I should save it for a different life lesson, but I'll give it to you anyways, even if I end up doing it a different time. Here's Here's the great quote that I've learned to say in my life. I can't. I know that sounds terrible because everything I was raised to understand in American, even Christianity in America, is never say you can't. Well, there is one exception to that, and that's in your spiritual life. God, I can't. No, there's more to the sentence, though. Listen closely. But you can. You see, the secret to Christianity is recognizing that I can't perform the items on the left, the commands on the left. I can't fulfill the law in and of myself, but he can. I can't, but he can. And he desires to do it in me and through me. That's good news. Extraordinary news. The word good stinks compared to what this is. So you must visit the orphan and the widow in their distress. What is God's answer to that? 
His heart will beat within your heart. You see, you don't have to stress about loving unlovely people. Have you ever had that feeling? It's like, oh my God, I, I don't feel like I care. Well, come to him. Let him care in and through you. He cares. And so when you get close to him, when you abide in him, you find that his sap enters into your branch. And literally what is inside of that vine is now inside of you. And the fruit of that vine now is produced in you as a branch. Not because you're trying to drum it up, but because you're simply abiding in him. So simply put, the gospel supplies the power to do it. You could say, what's it? You know what it is. It's all the stuff on that left, that you couldn't muster up the power to do. The gospel supplies the power to live out this impossible life. Everything about scripture actually is impossible. I don't know why we don't teach that as the primer of of all training in Christianity. It's like, no, no, okay, I know, I see that you've all arrived to be discipled. Just want to tell you one thing from the very beginning. You can't do this. It's like, all right, be excused for a couple weeks and come back. This is literally where we must begin. Many of us start with the fact that, okay, theologically and doctrinally, I know the fact that God must do it. But I still think that I'm a special case and that I can sort of do it on my own. And maybe everyone else needs God, but I could pull it off. I don't know where we get these notions, but I mean, I I spent a whole little section of my life attempting to prove to God that he made a good choice in picking me. And that I was going to discipline my life and live it fully for him and attempt in my own strength to showcase the kingdom of heaven. And what did I come to as a life lesson? I can't. But he can. You see, the text, if all you have is the treasure map, the text cannot save you. It's a weird statement because that text is so precious. The scriptures are so beautiful, so wondrous, eternal, unchanging. And yet in and of themselves, those words, that ink on the page that you are seeing is not your savior. It is a road sign. It is a treasure map, which is pointing to it. And when you heed it and when you believe it, you find it. You find what it is pointing to. And that text is going to tell you something along the way. When it says you must be righteous, when it says you must be holy... When it says that you must live out this impossible life, it also is going to tell you that apart from him, you can do nothing. You see, apart from him, you cannot actually do any of this. The law is a schoolmaster. It is a trainer. It is a teacher. And what is it saying over and over again? You are a sinner in need of a savior. That does not alter at any juncture in life. If I ever depart from that vine I have nothing in me as a branch. It doesn't matter if I've been 20 years abiding in that vine. The moment I detach from the vine, I am still a branch without life. I must abide, and I must continue to abide. I must endure until the end abiding, because there is no other means of producing fruit in my life, of showcasing the glory of God, but that God work in me. There is not a point where you graduate from the vine. I've used the illustration of a plane that when you enter into a plane, you are given access to a higher law than the law of gravity. It's called the law of aerodynamics. It's truly extraordinary because in and of yourself, you can't fly. 
But when you trust that plane, it flies for you, which is the gospel right there. That's how Christianity works. But say you're over the Atlantic and you've been flying for you know, a couple hours and you sort of feel that you've got it down. There is no point over the Atlantic where it's a good idea to open up the plane door and hop out because you've got it figured out. Just because you're flying in a plane doesn't mean you've become the plane. And so for us to recognize, we must continue to remain and abide in Christ Jesus. We need the treasure. The words matter. And the reason we will lay down our life to preserve the treasure map is because it is the one thing that leads to the treasure. And the reason we will fight to see that it is maintained in its accuracy and that people don't blur the lines and dip it in water and try and dilute it is because it is the one thing that leads to the treasure. And the only way that we can ascertain the actual path to that treasure is through that map. So we will lay down our life to preserve this for the generations to come. However... It all points to Jesus. And that is the treasure of all treasures. Romans 1. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. This one statement that many of us have heard many times in our life, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. When you look at the word salvation there, most of us put a big capital S on it. And that means, oh, it's the power of God unto being saved from hell in the future. Which is true. It is. However, it's also the power of God to be saved from you right now. Your feebleness right now. That temptation right now. It is the power of God to be saved. To be rescued in the moment, right now. Not just in the future. You need to be saved. And you go like, Amen. No, and I don't just mean in the end. I mean right now. You've lived in this body long enough to know that you're pretty pathetic at living out Christianity on your own, right? You need to be saved today. To be able to live out Christianity today so that you are saved from that one thought that you were going to think, those one words that you were going to speak, that one action you were going to perpetrate. You need to be saved. Well, I want to introduce you to something. And we should be unashamed of this. It's the gospel of Christ that enables you to do that. It is not your own willpower, your own gumption, your own determination. It is His working in you. It is the gospel of grace, the power of God to do it. That is the great secret of Christianity. It's not just agreeing with the words of the treasure map. Or the directions of the treasure map and saying, yes and amen, that is true. That treasure map is right. It is doing what that treasure map says to do. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Repent. Yield your body, your members unto Jesus Christ. Abide in him. You see, God desires to move in and make you his house. 
This is what that very treasure map is going to tell you. Come unto the cross and be saved. Look upon his work. His shed blood is efficacious for you. It will do the work. In and of yourself, your own willpower, your own determination will not do the work. But when you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, you allow Jesus Christ to have his rightful place. He has done the work, will do the work, and will continue to do the work for the rest of your life. This is Christianity. So I'm calling this a life lesson because this is probably one of the deepest things God has worked inside of me. Because I'm a, I'm a doer in my own strength oftentimes. Okay? I'm, I have a huge susceptibility to it. And so when I started out Christianity, my propensity and bent was to agree with the scripture, but then to say, okay, God, I'll take it from here. And one of the most important things I've learned in my life is that I can't do it. It sounds like a defeated statement, doesn't it? To say, it's like, how could you as a good American, Eric, ever say those words? I can't. Well, those words have been critical in my development as a Christian. I can't live out the Christian life in my own strength. But he can live it in and through me. And that is a profound reality that I want you to hold on to today with a fresh resolve and vigor. Father, we need more of you. Lord, we have such a propensity to try and produce fruit out of our own resolve and determination. Forgive us for this, Lord. We repent of it afresh. Lord, we desire to abide in you and to allow your life to work, to thrive within us. Lord, we desire to showcase who you are to the world around us. Lord, I pray that this would be a life lesson for every single one of us here, not just me. There's only one way to be brought to that low point of brokenness before the cross and before the throne of grace and that is it's a work of your holy spirit showcasing to us our need and i thank you for showing me my need and i pray that you would show everyone here their need everyone listening to this podcast their need lord we need you we can't do this thing called christianity we cannot showcase the glory of god in and through our lives in and of ourselves But you can. You can do this. And you desire to do it. So take our lives, Lord, and let them be consecrated unto thee. For your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. It's in the precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.